Man, it's me. I'm back. So let's get this intro started. Yo! Welcome back to the 1497 Podcast, baby. You know the vibes. It's your boy, Jonathan Keaton, in the cut. The greatest co-host that every co-host podcast, Michael Wood, couldn't be in the cut today. Man, I mean, it's been a while since I did this. I think I, I'm going to have to start doing this more because I feel like this is just a... This is just a period where I can just chop it up and then you guys listen to me talk. And I feel like I'm a pretty entertaining person. I feel like whatever comes out of my mouth, I, I feel like it's intriguing to the crowds and everything like that. Shout out. I forgot where I got this graphic. No, shout out Target. Shout out Target. Target always got the good graphic tees where it comes from McLovin. TLC, Shrek. I mean, I always find good graphic tees at Target. So, Target, if you want to, I don't know, throw me a sponsorship, like, I can I can get you guys right. I can get you right. You just got to throw me a sponsorship my way, and then we'll talk more about the business side of things. Just, if anyone's listening from Target, please hit my line. It's been a while since I just came on here and just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. We're about to be in September. We have two more days of August. So whoop, whoop to that. Summer's about to be over. So that means baseball is about to go into their little thing called the playoffs. The NFL season's about to come back. The NBA season's coming back. The NHL season's coming back. So that means a lot of sports is going to be on our television and college football is going to be back. Shout out college football and shout out to all my college football athletes that are competing this weekend. Shout out Bryant. They play Florida, I think Florida Atlantic this year. And I really think, I'm not just saying this because I interviewed someone from Bryant. Like I'm actually looking at Bryant's team. I'm looking at the way that they're stacking up in their conference. I think they can sneak their way into the top 25 this year. And when we look at Brian's schedule, if you got to give me a minute here, because sometimes my phone just, it just loves to tweak. And I'm not able to get what I need to get in a matter of time. So I just got to talk that time out. So like they play, they play Florida international, my bad. So they play Florida, Florida international, then they play Rhode Island, then they play Brown, then they play LIU, then they play NCAT, then they play SU, SCSU, then they play Charleston, Charleston Southern, Gardner-Webb, Campbell, Holy Cross, and Robert Morris. So I think they're going to have to pull what, what was that team? Um, the... San Antonio T it was like San Antonio. It was like San Antonio something. It was a college in Texas. UTSA. There we go. It was UTSA. They were undefeated for a good while. And then they started getting recognition from the college football committee. I think if Brian is able to demolish their schedule, meaning they have to kill every opponent that comes their way, the college football committee is going to be like, okay, we gave UTSA the chance to, lure or not lure lure is the wrong word to use to sneak their way into the college football the the college football rankings that we should give 
Bryant a chance too because this is a platform now where if teams are lacking in their conference but they're dominating their conference, I think you should throw them a bone and see how they truly play against top 25 opponents because you never know. And with the HBCU schools, they're going to get a lot of chances to try to play the top 25 this year, which I can't wait for because if they're able to get the wins against those top 25 teams, not only that's big for HBCU for a multitude of reasons. One being a lot of people are going to start recognizing the HBCU schools and they're going to recognize the history around HBCU schools, which is really important towards our society because I think more people should learn about the black African-American culture. I think it should be taught more worldwide. So when you add all of that in the mix, plus their success with football, then more people, more families are going to be like, well, this is a monumental, a monumental college. And I want the opportunity for, or I want to have I want to present the opportunity to my children is basically what I'm trying to say. And who wouldn't want to do that? An HBCU. Then on top of that, it's going to, it's going to make recruiting ridiculous because then you're going to open up doors for five-star, five-star athletes going to HBCU schools, which would work really, really good. So there's a lot, there's a lot to think about when, considering HBCU schools and the competition that they play up against. I really hope all of them succeed and keep on doing what they're doing. I really love the month of February and what they do for Black History Month because they teach you so many things about so many Black advocates that you never knew about. And when you like find out about them, they either did something that someone else got like really recognized for and they were a part of the movement, but people only eye in on like that one main person. So this college football season is going to be very good. The Big Ten is always going to put up competition between the Michigans, the Michigan States, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State. The only problem is they need to change their excuse that they need to change their fucking scheduling. Like if I'm the Big Ten. And I have all these good teams. I'm not going to have them beat up on each other every single year because then it's just going to wear them out. That's what happened last year, Big Ten. You guys could have had a college football playoffs filled with Big Ten teams. All four teams could have been Big Ten teams. Penn State could have been in there. Wisconsin could have been in there. Iowa could have been in there. Michigan was already in there. Michigan State could have – they could have – slide their way in there or slit their way in there. I, you have to change the scheduling because if you keep on letting these teams beat up on each other over and over and over and over again, it's going to get to the point where if they have a test that is not inside the big time, they are going to be tired. They're going to be worn out because they're beating up on each other in their own conference. You have to spread out the conference more and that's another problem that they have because they have all the good teams on one on one side of the on one side of the spectrum, and then they have Iowa and then the rest of them. Like I think you have to split it up to where 
you as a division or not a division as a conference have more teams in the college football playoffs. And this is really the perfect year for the big time to really put themselves in the college football playoffs because you scan across the whole college football top 25 and you're like, okay, Bo Nix is at Oregon. Spencer Rattler is at South Carolina. But where's all the good defenses? Wisconsin still has a good defense. Nebraska looked like their defense could be something. Nebraska's quarterback looked like they could be something. It was a tough loss against Northwestern. Northwestern's defense looked like they could be something. We're waiting for Iowa to play. We're waiting for Michigan to play. We're waiting for Michigan State to play. But we already know what Michigan State's offense can do with Peyton Reed. And um, I said Peyton Reed. Oh, my God. Peyton Thorne and Jaden Jaden Reed, we got a glimpse of we got a glimpse of that last year. So big time, you gotta fix your scheduling. You gotta fix your scheduling because it's just gonna make your conference the ultimate alpha conference, the ultimate conference that everyone is looking out for. And it's like, man, I don't want to play any of these big time teams. They're just out here destroying teams left and right. And then when they get to that moment, when I talk about the college football playoffs, you have to perform in those moments. I get that Georgia was the number one ranked defense in college football last year. But Michigan, I've I've seen you go up against stouty defenses throughout your whole season. And I kept on doubting you guys, too, because I had a feeling that that point of, okay, it's getting serious, it's getting serious, it's getting serious. Where is where is going to be the Jim Harbaugh fall off? Where where when is that going to be? I know it's coming soon, but is it soon enough to the point I can start hensing or not hensing that I can start feeling it like it's actually there? And it got there at Georgia because they just didn't know what to do against Georgia. But I felt like they had the they had the offensive talent. To really scheme around it. It is what it is. They come back. Cade McInera. Didn't even know he was still on Michigan squad. Cade McInera. He's coming back. Or he's already back. So he's starting for week one and two. And then J.J. McCarthy is going to start. And they have a really slept on receiver. I'm going to look up his name. Once I get down into it. Actually let me look up his name now. I have a really uh, slept on receiver. At Michigan, that I DM, matter of fact, at uh, to come on the podcast. Let me see. Got a lot of DMs here with Patrick Beverly. I got to get to Patrick Beverly in a minute. Like I, I get Patrick Beverly. I get you, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta set the tone. Peyton O'Leary. Peyton O'Leary is a slept-on receiver at the University of Michigan. So I can't wait to see what they have in store for us this season. Now, before I get to Patrick Beverly, I'm going to save that to that. We got some NFL news to talk about. I mean, there's nothing really going on. Preseason is on the brink of ending, and we're actually getting into the regular season. The only big storyline coming out of the preseason, or one of the biggest storylines coming out of the preseason, is Aaron Rodgers and his preseason woes 
with his new receiving core, him complaining about his receiving core, and him stating that like he he's not he's not basically he's just complaining about it. He's just on the same level of just frustration that he's just just pissed. Just pissed. But I really think if we really sit down and look at it, because I was uh, watching the first take video before I did this, and the prompt question was, should I think it was like, should you be worried if Aaron Rodgers, or should you be worried, or should you be mad that Aaron Rodgers is not playing preseason or whatever? And Stephen A. Smith said, yeah, because it, it looks selfish on his parts. I'm just paraphrasing, so it's not actually like word for word what he said, but it's along the lines of what he said. And listen, the Packers. The one thing they can do is find quarterbacks that can turn hidden gem receivers into gods. I mean, do I have to go over the list? You got Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, James Jones, Devontae Adams. Not one of these guys was drafted in the first round. So they were able to get these guys later in the draft. They were able to develop these guys later in the draft for these guys to become superstars on their teams with either Favre or Rodgers running the show. And I don't think that we should be stressing out about Rodgers receiving receiving woes and him being frustrated by his receivers because a lot of people seem to forget when, I think it was week 10, when he walked into Arizona, he didn't have Devontae Adams. He didn't have Alan Lazard. He didn't have Valdez Scantley. All he had was his two running backs and Robert Tunyon, who got injured later in that game. So really, he just he just had he had Robert Tunyon for the time being, and then he had his two running backs. And he went into Arizona, and he took care, he took care of business. On top of that, they have... Matt LeFleur, as much criticism as we give Matt LeFleur, he has 22 home wins. And that is the most by any NFL coach in their first three seasons. So anytime they're playing a home game, they're always going to be a threat because they know how to play at home and they have an outstanding record at home. I think they're 22. Wow, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. I, I love I love saying it like that. It's funny to me. Matt LaFleur. Alright, let me stop before I start I start pissing y'all off. He has a 22, he has a 22 and 2 home record. So he knows what he's doing at home and it gives you the advantage that you're not really keep, you're not really eyed in on the receivers. I think you're just stuck on the fact you're just stuck in the Lambeau atmosphere. And that's perfect because that gives Matt LaFleur and his offensive crew way more, way more time and way more thought and way more leniency to really see who, what is he going to do with these receivers. And having a veteran like Randall Cobb there is going to help Aaron Rodgers out significantly because he can step into – the Devontae-esque or Devontae Adams-esque role. And the reason I say esque because Randall Cobb is up there in age, so he won't really be able to step in to the Devontae Adams role 
because I think because of his age, he won't be able to produce the way Devontae Adams was producing because he Devontae Adams just led the targeting column or the target combo or target column, excuse me, target column, uh, the reception column, receiving yards column, and everything. Like the only time it came close to Devontae Adams' numbers was Alan Lazard and coincidentally Randall Cobb. Uh, Randall Cobb averaged 13.4 yards per carry or yards per catch, excuse me, and then Alan Lazard averaged 12.8. So you're noticing, or if you think about it, when Rodgers gave them the ball, they're able to move in space with the ball. It might be for less receptions because he's just eyeing in on one guy, but as a Packers fan, I wouldn't be too stressed out on Rodgers is not getting along with his receivers. Rodgers is complaining about his receivers because they still have they still have this time. They still really have almost a week to really get this figured out before they play Minnesota at Minnesota at 325 on Fox. That's the game of the week. And Minnesota is coming for blood this year because Kirk Cousins and his guys are on the hot seat because this is their division to take away. But Aaron Rodgers last season had two game-winning drives. He was ninth in passing yards per game, and they were 18th in pass attempts, which is that's bizarre, kind of. Fifth, fifth. Uh, he was fifth in yards per ta- yards per pass attempt, and then Cod or I said Cod, excuse me, Randall Cobb only had 192 less yards or less yak less yak, so that's yards after the catch. Than Devonta, so that's what I was saying. I that's kind of saying he can really step into that level. I don't I personally. I don't think he'll be able to completely put up like a thousand yard season with all the targets and stuff. But you can see the vision that I'm kind of seeing with Randall Cobb because he's able. He can be able to step in there and get the job done enough to get you by and that's going to help out all the other receivers because Randall Cobb has been there through the majority of Aaron Rodgers career. And that chemistry is going to help the other chemistry with the receivers. And it's going to break down film at a lens that they haven't seen it before. And it's really going to start clicking to them because the more film you watch, the better mental or mentally you get way better because you're understanding a lot more. And not just that, you're working with a future Hall of Famer quarterback because Aaron Rodgers hasn't retired yet. So it's definitely an interesting thing to see. I wouldn't, I'm not tripping over, I'm not tripping over Aaron Rodgers. I'm not tripping over his receivers because Aaron Rodgers has been doing this throughout his whole career. Just picking up pieces and pieces and pieces. They have all scrambled over in the Packers organization and he's been able to win four MVPs with the pieces that they've been giving him. The woes is his playoffs, man. So Bears fan at the end of that. So it, it makes me happy seeing Aaron Rodgers lose in the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, Mike Tomlin got something on the line. He got something on the line. He's seeking for his 16th successful season where he has had a winning record. The question is, are they going to be able to have a winning record? 
they're in the wild wild they're in the wild wild AFC North. Now I know it's not the AFC West, but that's still another wild division because the Baltimore Ravens were injured, so and they were still competing in games. The Cleveland Browns they have a lot a lot of stuff going on, but they still have pieces and a coat. They still have yeah they still have the pieces to be able to compete in these regular season games and win regular season games despite their quarterback their quarterback being Jacoby Brissett and not Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then I saw the Ravens, Bengals they got better. They got an offensive line. They they had a really no one has really talked about the Bengals, and that's where the Bengals have been making the most moves is their offensive line because Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times, and that team was led to the Super Bowl. But starting week one, they played the Bengals, then they played the Patriots, the Browns, the Jets, the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, the Steelers, or not the Steelers, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals. The Colts, the Falcons, the Ravens, Panthers, Raiders, Ravens, and the Browns. With Mike Tomlin, there's not going to be a problem. There's not going to be a problem at all because we have to think about what he did last year with the offensive line that they had. They had a young offensive line, so they weren't really able to do anything that was longer than probably a half a second, close to close to one or one one and a half second to two seconds. That was just they couldn't have that time in the pocket because the pocket would collapse before it even started. Kind of reminded me of the of the Bears line. The only thing Big Ben didn't have was Justin Fields' mobility, and with Justin Fields' mobility, he was still getting sacked because he wasn't able to do anything. But that's a different conversation for another day. Big Ben. And that team was not supposed to make the playoffs. Their one-dimensional offense of just giving Najee Harris the ball and Najee Harris running for 1,200 yards and then having a defense where their front line is doing the best, but everything behind that is kind of – it's not terrible, but it's not the great. So it's like it's in the middle. It's mediocre. Big Ben still had six fourth-quarter comebacks, and that was one of the – that was one of the most in the NFL last year. Then you turn around. I was just giving praise to the defensive line. I'm going to give more praise to the defensive line. Has the most sacks in the NFL last year with 55. Sixth, they were sixth in forced fumbles. Ninth in fumble recoveries. Second in tackles. First in sacks per games. So that's telling you they know how to rip the football out. They know how to get to the football. And they know how to sack the quarterback at a very efficient rate. Then they were 13th in opponent. So now I take I take back the secondary because uh, I would say between one through one through 15 is that elite, great, good category. I would say, and they were in that they were in that good category from 13 from 13 to 15. So they had the 13th in uh, opponent passing yards per game, and then their last three. They only allowed 214.3 passing yards. And then they were 12th in opponent fourth quarter points. So in the fourth quarter, they were able to lock up and do their thing. And the passing defense was able to do was to was able to do their thing too. So they still have 
they still have somewhat the same pieces on defense. You have to worry about T.J. Watt a little bit because T.J. Watt did get injured in the Lions game. Mike Tomlin says that there's nothing minor, or he or he thinks it's just something minor. So it really comes down to the players, and I think the players are going to be able to do what they can do because we saw last year how not they just handed off the ball to Najee Harris and. Najee Harris was able to do his thing. I liked what they got in the draft with George Pickens. They got a guy who can not only catch the ball deep, uh, intermediate, and short. You have a guy that's physical. And having a guy that can catch and who's physical is very rare because you get one or the other. I think if you have two, you have the best of both worlds in George Pickens because when it comes to – Run block scenarios, you know he's going to be able to get down and block, and most receivers can't real can't say that about themselves. And when it comes to it's in the air, someone go grab it. George Pickens is going to be able to do it. And a lot of people don't take away some things from preseason, but Mitch Trubisky and George Pickens they were looking really good, and it looked like the chemistry was already there. Like I get Mitch has a lot of has a lot of criticism. I get that Kenny Pickett has a lot of criticism. And I get this team has a lot of criticism. But if you put a coach behind or if you put players behind a coach that wants to win and only knows how to win and hasn't had any losing seasons and he's looking for his 16th or 17th winning season those types of teams are going to get to the playoffs because they are well coached teams. Damn near, elite. yeah, they're well they're well coached teams, and well coached teams are going to get you. They're they're going to get you far, and I don't think they're lacking in the comp in the competition because they were able to come back against some of the competition that they played last year. So it's an interesting scenario. For the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I really can't wait to see the Pittsburgh Steelers play. And I'm excited to see Mitch play because then we're going to get to really see, or if Kenny plays, whoever Mike Tomlin feels the most comfortable with. But let's say if it's Mitch, I'm really excited to see what Mitch can do because I've we've seen glimpse of Mitch. We haven't seen him in a regular season game against True starters we've seen him in those games but it was blowout games and then we saw him in the preseason games and he looks really good in the preseason game so a statement win against Cincinnati at home that would be huge for morale because every single game matters for any team in the AFC because every single AFC team besides two you can make a case for they can go to the playoffs this year. And I want to touch back on competition because I don't think competition is going to be a problem because if you have Mike Tomlin, you're always going to be in the best position to win despite the talent that you have because on both sides of the ball, they have, I think, having one or two playmakers. Or no, I don't want to contradict myself here. Having, I'll say this, having a guy like Mike Tomlin will 
not only take you a long way, but it will make those good enough players into great players or sometimes will make those great players turn into elite players or those good enough players turned into elite players. It really does a franchise justice having a coach like Mike Tomlin, one of the greatest black coaches to ever do it, if not the best black coach to ever do it. Now we talked about A-Rod. We talked about the Steelers. Now it's time to talk about the Raiders because I was actually surprised to see people, or not people, I was surprised to see Stephen A. Smith talking about Derek Carr was on the hot seat. And I had to do some research on that because I just don't think that Derek Carr should be in the hot seat. Like, okay. He doesn't have any playoff wins. But you have a lot of quarterbacks, two of them I really like, that only have one playoff win to their name. Kirk Cousins only has one playoff win. Well, I would say three quarterbacks that I like in this category. Kirk Cousins does only has one playoff win. Dak Prescott only has one playoff win. Lamar Jackson only has play- one playoff win. Deshaun Watson only has one playoff win. The list goes on and on and on and on. So I don't really think you can knock that against Derek Carr. And if it was, okay, we need to see what you can do, it was last year. Darren Waller goes down for a month. Henry Ruggs is recklessly speeding down a residential area. Dylan Arnett gets in trouble holding a concealed weapon on Instagram Live. All of this going on throughout an NFL season, Derek Carr and then John John Gruden getting uh, with his emails being leaked uh, with the with the racial with the racial slurs the racial messages all all that stuff all of that going on and I'm pretty sure at one point the Raiders were out out of the playoffs pretty sure they had an under like 500 record Derek Carr throughout all adversity. Wheels them through, game in and game out, gets a key win in Indianapolis that puts Indianapolis in a situation where they have to go to Jacksonville and win, and they ended up losing, and they go into, they play the Chargers, and they win against the Chargers, and they go into the playoffs, and they come a play away, a play away from beating the team that went to the Super Bowl. That right there is just showing me leadership. And if you have a guy that can lead your team through that much adversity, that much, and you're missing Darren Waller on top of that for a month, so you really only have Hunter Renfro and his boys, and you're able to wheel that team to the playoffs, that's proven a lot. That's proven a lot to me because that's telling me he can step up to the plate when times get tough. Derek Carr is going to step up for you. Derek Carr is going to prove he's that guy. Now, I will say he has to cut down on his interceptions a little bit because when he was throwing to Zay Jones, it was like, um, I think it was like six or seven, like when he's targeted Zay Jones throughout like the whole season. 
He had like six or seven interceptions, one targeting him. So he has to cut down on the interceptions. But other than that, you have four straight seasons where you're throwing 4,000 passing yards and you're sacked 40 times, sixth in the NFL. And then you have the leadership role. So you're already performing at a high level and you're able to pass the ball at a high level and you're getting sacked at a high level, a top a top 10 level, and you still lead your team to the playoffs, and he's on the hot seat. Now, don't get me wrong. If we're putting him on the hot seat, might as well put Kirk Cousins on the hot seat. As much as it pains me to say it, might as well put Kirk Cousins on the hot seat. Put Dak Prescott on the hot seat. Put all these guys that we claim, okay, talently, or they have the talent, they have the team that can get them to the playoffs, but as soon as they get to the playoffs, they're not able to win because they only have one playoff win to the resume. And I know sometimes that it doesn't pan out the ways that we you want it to pan out because their schemes are whatever excuse you want to come up with. But the fact of the matter is Derek Carr proved he's QB1. Derek Carr proved that he can fight through adversity. Derek Carr proved with all, with everything going on, he can still perform at a high level. I don't think that puts him on a hot seat. And even if he does bad this year, going into his contract year, I think the Raiders should really look at what he did last season with uh, Rick Passaccia and throughout that whole that whole time span. So that's my spiel. Oh, also, at that game, if they would have scored, they wouldn't have gone for two. I just want to throw this out there. Raiders were 4-0 in overtime in the regular season. And Derek Carr, who's apparently on the hot seat, was the first QB in Raiders history since Jim Plunkett to throw more than 300 passing yards in a playoff game. And then Derek Carr threw for his career high, almost he threw for 4,804 yards. I'm going to let that marinate. 4,804 yards. I don't want to seem like I'm just throwing stats just to throw, just to throw stats out there. And I'm going to keep on reiterating this point. Not a lot of guys can do what Derek Carr did this season, where there's just so much stuff going on that he didn't get distracted. He led his team through every, through every game and got them to what you want to get your team at, and that's the playoffs. Now, they didn't win in the playoffs, but it was a performance where – you can give him, you can sit down and say, wow, this was this was a successful season. This was a successful season. Same thing with Steelers. They got their ass whooped, but they weren't supposed to be in that position anyways. The Raiders weren't supposed to be in that position anyways. So it's hats off to the coach. It's hats off to the players. You got me there. 
you got me to this point. You got me all the way to the 10-yard line. I'm going to need to give you an extension. And you just, you're, you're coming off a career year of passing. I don't even think he's going to have a bad year th- this year. I'm, I was just saying that in hypothetical terms. Now you get to play with your best run? I mean, come on. Come on. And he's on the hot seat. I don't think it. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't. Since you listened to me rambled, it is now time for me to plan on when I'm just going to throw another episode at you guys. When I'm going to just ramble again and let you listen to what I have to say. You feel me? Anywho, thank you for listening to the greatest podcast out there. That is 1497 Podcast. Follow 1497 Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I know you want your daily dose of news. I know you be stuck in rush hour traffic or morning traffic thinking to yourselves, oh, my God, what did George Pickens do? You can just go to the four, at 1497 Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We got you. You know you want it, so come and get it. Subscribe to the podcast on all podcasting platforms at 1497podcast. And for all my YouTube listeners, drop that like, drop that comment, and hit that sub button so you can get nothing but noties when videos drop for the new podcast or a new podcast episode, a new clip, whatever it is. Just stay informed, baby. Stay informed. I'm going to be back this week. I miss I miss doing this. So I'm gonna be back this week. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. I hope you have a great I hope you had a great great start to your week. That's basically saying I hope you had a great Monday. But I wanted to add that in there for all my cool cats that was not listening right there. As always, trust the process and the new saying I've been saying. You gotta go live the dream. Or no 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 no. Stay living the dream. I'm out. Later.